Welcome to Momentum Church. John chapter 7. So open your Bibles or your phones to John chapter 7. And um, just to kind of bring you up to speed here, we're going to get to verse 10. But on the way to verse 10, from 1 through 9, it tells that Jesus is ministering in Galilee, and it comes time for something called the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles. And this is one of the pilgrimage feasts that you come back to your home area, and you celebrate it with your friends and your family and things like that. And so his disciples are saying, let's go back to Judea. Let's go over there. Let's celebrate. And then you can do the works you've been doing because followers of you over there need to see you do the works too. And your own brothers don't even believe in you. That's a good day when your family doesn't believe in you. How many? No, I'm not going to ask you how many has been there before. (laughs) But that's kind of the thing that's going on. And he's like, no, I'm going to stay here in Galilee. After a little while, he decides he will go to Judea. And we're going to come up to speed in verse 10 regarding that. As we do, let me just tell you a little bit about the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. There's a name for it in Hebrew. It's it's the feast. It's called Sukkot. And so with Sukkot, you have the Feast of Tabernacles, and they build little booths or sukkahs. And I don't know if you have any Jewish friends, but they build these little sukkahs beside their house. And what it is, it's it's man-made. It's a tabernacle. And you have your friends and family throughout the week come. During the week-long festival, it's kind of like Thanksgiving, sort of. It's a season of being thankful for what you have. It's a season of being thankful for the people you have in your life. It's a season of that. And it's at full time. And so it's also a harvest-type festival, okay? So you guys tracking with me? And people will come, you spend time outside during that whole week, and you're just celebrating the faithfulness of God through the harvest. That's one part of it. The second part of it is that number two, number one, it's a celebration of the gathering of harvest. And then number two, it's the Feast of Tabernacles, which commemorates the 40 years of desert wandering after the Israelites were set free from Egypt. For 40 years, they lived in tabernacles. They lived in sukkahs as they traveled through the wilderness. I want to go back a little bit first to the idea of it being a harvest celebration. And um, if anybody here has an agrarian background, raise your hand. Like you can't grew up in farm country. Yeah. Anybody else grew up in some farm country? Where I'm from, it is concrete, factories, etc. As soon as you get outside the city limits, it's corn and cows and Amish, you know, and a really neat area to grow up in. But when there's harvest, especially of wheat, when harvesting takes place, there's something that has to happen. The wheat has to be separated from the chaff. Everybody say separation. Separation. So they'll thresh. Part of that harvest season is taking all the wheat in and threshing that seed, that, that wheat, so that the seed will land here and the chaff will be blown away. The chaff is that portion that holds the seed while it's growing, but it's just waste. Say waste. So as I was looking at chapter 7, and we're not going to finish this sermon today. This is going to be a two-part in chapter 7, all right? As I was looking through chapter 7, I started to see this separation. There's so many things in the chapter that speaks to righteousness and unrighteousness. 
the proper view of who Jesus is, the improper view of who Jesus is. And as I started looking at it, my mind started thinking, oh my goodness, what amazing time to bring forth this truth to us because it's during the Feast of Tabernacles. It's during the Feast of Booths. It's during Sukkot when right before that celebration, they would have taken that wheat, that harvest, and they would have separated the good from the bad, the healthy from that which would not bring anything of nutritional value to you. The things that you want to hold on to, the things that you want to get rid of. Amen? There's a separation. separation. Yeah, there's a separation going on. So I see that in this as it's leading into the narrative that we're going to look at today. And then the second part, as I was saying, it commemorates that 40 years of being in the desert. That was a 40-year stretch of discerning who God is and what God was up to. That was a 40-year stretch where they would have the cloud by day and the fire by night. They would listen to the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord would speak to the prophet. Sometimes they would listen and discern right. And they would see a harvest from that decision. Sometimes they wouldn't. They would hold on to the waste. They would hold on to their desire, their passion, what they wanted. Not listen to the prophet. Not listen to Moses. Not heed the priest, Aaron. Not do those things. And they would end up missing God's best in that moment. But for 40 years, there was a constant, constant like division as people discerned poorly or wisely as God led them through the wilderness. Can I, can I tell you guys something? Everybody tap your chest. Just like those sukkahs, those booths that are a temporary dwelling place that the people stayed in for 40 years on their way to the promise, the promised land. Amen? That's what was going on. God was taking them someplace. If they would just listen, guess what? We are sukkahs that inhouse the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. When you tap yourself, you're the tabernacle of the living God. And the enemy may have lied to you. You may have come in here today beat up. You may have come in here today feeling less. You may have come in here today feeling like on the journey, you don't know which way to go. But you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, a temporary dwelling place, a tabernacle housed by God. Whew. And you're on a journey too. You can look back this way. You're on a journey too as you go through life. As we go through life with these temporary dwelling places we call bodies. As we do that, we're going to have to navigate through ups and through downs. Amen? How many is navigating something right now that you need discernment? You need to know, is this right or is this wrong? Is this the best decision, the worst decision? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to navigate at times through hardships. Y'all, I didn't navigate hardships well in my 30s and into my early 40s. God had to teach me. There was a whole lot of stuff I used to say was God's fault. Why are you doing this to me, God? And years later, I started realizing, no, he was getting rid of the chaff. He was getting rid of the stuff because he was working something in me that was going to separate the chaff from the seed and plant something down in the dirt that I was living in that was going to reap a harvest from God. But in the middle of it, ooh, in the middle of it, I wasn't enjoying it too much. I'm on my journey. And like those Israelites, I'm like, mm, I'm wanting to tell God some things, huh? You know what I'm saying? How many's ever felt that way before? Is it just me? Am I the only person that gets frustrated sometimes with God? 
Okay, every one of us have been on that journey of ups and downs and hardships. Sometimes it's discernment and navigating relationships. God, is this chaff in my life? Or is this a seed that can produce something that you desire in my life? And so as we do that as a church, together collectively, we have a mission here. I don't know if you know what our church mission statement is. It's that we lead people on an adventure into more in life through Jesus. That's our mission. Just like those on their way to the promised land, you are on your way to glory. And we on the way are on an adventure in life into more. And that's what our whole, not just the pastors, all of us, we're leading people to more. But in the middle of that, the enemy will come and he'll try to cause us to make poor decisions in life that will keep us from walking into the promises that God has for us. On our journey, we're going to experience a whole lot of things. We're going to have to make a whole lot of decisions. We're going to have to make decisions concerning things that are right and things that are wrong, things that are righteous, things that are unrighteous, things pertaining to the flesh or to the spirit, and things pertaining to our fleshly desires, and trying to discern and make the right decisions in those things. That's a whole lot that speaks to us about the Feast of Tabernacles, isn't it? (laughs) You didn't see that coming. But here's the thing that that journey is so important to make the right decisions. We make the right decisions and we come through the wilderness into the promised land like the people of Israel. We come into the promise God has for us, the more in life that God wants for your relationship, for your health, for your finances, for your faith, the more. But here's the problem. We make the wrong decisions... We discern poorly, and you find you and the best God desires for you will die in the wilderness. Man, that's heavy. But God loved his chosen people, his Israelites, so much, but he gave them opportunity after opportunity to discern well. And many, many times, they did not discern well, and it robbed them from the promised land. Man, I don't want you all robbed from one thing that God has for you. And it blew my mind. When you do preaching like this, you go to the scripture and you read it and you see what it's saying. And all I could see, the whole chapter of seven was the word discernment, 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 discernment. There's people in this passage that believe that Jesus is the Messiah and there's people that don't. There's people that believe he should be doing more signs and wonders and people saying he's not doing enough. There's people, or or he's doing too much. There's people saying, I mean, it's just all over the place. People making decision after decision after decision. Guess what? That's us as well. When it comes to Christ making decisions, when it comes to the things in our life making decisions, it is us as well. And so I want us to be able to have discernment because in life you need to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff. The wheat, that seed that can bring forth life and abundance from that waste that so often we'll hold on to and pour decision-making. And so a good word for that decision-making, it's not just the word decision, it's the word discernment. Everybody say discernment. I'm going to give you the Webster definition of discernment. Discernment is defined as the ability to notice the fine point details, the ability to judge something well, or the ability to understand and comprehend something. Some of, this, some of us in this room have a natural ability for discernment. How many know some wise people in your life? 
yeah, yeah. And they just seem like they have a natural gift for discernment. They understand the situation and the nuances, and they can speak wisdom into those things. But it's not just having natural wisdom. I love what Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, here's what he said about discernment. He said, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Isn't that good? As a believer, you come into faith, and yes, I'm going to preach the word. You hold on. If you're a guest with us, man, we preach the word around here. I'm going to get to it. Normally, I've already got to it a long time ago. Isn't that right, church? And then a lot of it. Amen. I'm setting this up for the two weeks, for this week and next week. So when we first get saved, what ends up happening is it's kind of like we have static on the radio in our life. We're trying to find the station. We want to hear the word. But we got static. And as we get saved, we start dealing with the static. And next thing you know, we're starting to 104.7. And we're getting it, you know, we're getting it dialed in. Shout through the Lord all the... You're like, pastors. 105.4.7 is like 90s worship. (laughs) No, but I say all that just to say you dial it in. Next thing you know now, you're still dialing it in. How many know the rest of your life? This idea of discernment, hearing the will and the word and the direction of the Lord is something we're always, it may not be anymore, but there's still static. There's still things that enter. There's still waste that draws on us, if you will. Old husk that just wants to be revived and, and, and rob us of allowing the seed to be planted in the ground. And so we fine tune, and you'll be doing that the rest of your life. And what I want to do today is I want to encourage us to be able to tune in and hear so we're not just making decisions between what's right and almost right, but we're, we're making decisions on what's absolutely what God has for us. Amen? Yeah. And so you're not alone in the decision-making process. That's what's beautiful. This idea of discernment, it is not just mental acuity. Amen? Aren't you glad? I am. I'm glad it's just not my own personal wisdom to bear upon this. No, no. For the spirit-filled believer, discernment goes from mental acuity into something that is spiritual and supernatural. It's spiritual. Spiritual discernment. Say spiritual discernment. Yeah, see, that's a decision-making process in which a person led by the Holy Spirit makes a discovery that leads to future action in light of that discovery. Isn't that neat? That discernment comes, it's not just your own mind, but it's the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life. And even in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it speaks of the gifts of the Spirit, and one of the gifts of the Spirit is discernment. And what is that? It's discernment of spirits. So it's the discernment, and you need this in your life, it's the discernment of, is this person I'm dealing with, is their spirit good, or is their spirit bad? Is this a good man or an evil man? Every business leader in this room right now, you need that gift in your life. Amen? Wake up every day. Spirit Lord, I'm doing business. Tell me. Speak to my heart. Is this person good or is this person evil? It's a discernment of spirit of that man's spirit. It can be the discernment of spirit if it's demonic. Is this something demonic? Or it can be the discernment of the spirit. Is this something angelic? God, are you at work in this through your your emissaries, the angels, are you against the devil? Are you at work through your emissaries, the demons? I know everybody's like, really? You cast out a few demons and then you say, really? I'm just being honest, people. It's real, amen? I've seen it. I've dealt with it, okay? And, um, but it's freaky. But you deal with it. 
Then there's the idea of, is this God? Is this the presence of the Lord doing this? Is God in this? And how many know, in my 30s so often, when I went to discern, because the promise was coming slowly, and I wasn't happy with how things were going in my life, I discerned that God was letting me down. No, God wasn't letting me down. God was just dealing with the chaff in my life. Amen? And my theology didn't have a place for that because I was always raised, you blab, you grab, you call, you haul, you name, you claim, you know, I receive, amen. And guess what? I do receive and I do believe and I do speak the prayer of faith and I do possess a a positive confession. I speak all those things. And guess what? I still went through some hard times that I I called God's fault when I was just on the threshing floor. I discern poorly in those times. And when I begin to see it through the eyes of God, I realize, oh, thank you, God, for everything that you're shaking out of me in my 30s. And now at 34, I, <laughs> I'm joking, a lot longer than that. So spiritual discernment is that decision-making that we make because of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand to our feet. I want to read this passage of Scripture, and then we're going to dig into this. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast... So they went to Judea. Jesus also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast, saying, Where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people, while some said, He is a good man. Others said, No, he is leading people astray. Do you see the discernment here? Either poor or accurate discernment, but there's decisions being made based on who they believe God is. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus over the next few minutes, Just lead and guide my conversation. Speak in my heart. Speak through my lips, God. Allow us to be people that learn to discern what you're doing well in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have your seat. So some of the people are on the one side. This is God doing this. Other people are on the other side. This is not God. You're just being led astray. So the question is this. How do you know if something or someone is of God? Like, is this coming from God? Is this situation I'm in? Is this person I'm dealing with godly? Is this decision I'm making to do this or not do this? Is it the godly decision? How do you know if something or someone is of God? John 7, 14 through 19, watch. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered him and said, my teaching is not mine. How is this guy? They're discerning in the moment. Something's different about this guy. Like, like he is acting like a rabbi. He is acting like he has studied before Torah hours and hours and hours like those that have become to prepare themselves to be rabbis. How is he acting like this? He's just a guy from Nazareth. He's just a carpenter. He should not be able to be doing these things. And he's claiming he's God's son. And so they discern and they make a judgment, and some are believing and some aren't believing. Well, here's what his answer was. He said, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keep the law. Why do you seek to kill me? We're going to jump into this. I'm going to show you today three things that will help you to discern well 
whether something's from God or not from God. Three things. And then next Sunday, we're going to look at the fourth, and then the rest of the week, we'll be dealing with that next Sunday. This Sunday, we're kind of looking at how we do discernment for ourselves, like making that decision, is this of God or not of God? Should I do this or should I not do this? We're going to look at that next Sunday. It's more about the discernment of the modern-day church. So this Sunday, it's very individual. Next Sunday, we're all corporately in it as God is kind of bringing judgment because discernment is judgment, amen? As God is bringing judgment on his house, causing us to discern and know how we ought to live as his church, amen? And so let's start with verse 17. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. Four things to keep in mind while just trying to discern a situation. The first one, are you striving to be in God's will and do God's will? That's the first thing. It says here, if somebody is receiving my teaching, they understand my will. If they don't understand my will, they're not going to understand my teaching. Do you know why? The leaning of your heart tells everything when it comes to discernment. We have to be honest with ourselves. If we're praying and asking God for direction about something, and we're listening for his teaching, his instruction, like regarding those things, but we're leaning toward the chaff, we're leaning toward our will, we're leaning toward this, I know what God says, but we're leaning this way, we will miss what God is saying in the moment. Those who know my will will receive my teaching. Amen? So that's the first thing. Where's the alignment of your heart? Can you honestly say in your life, my heart is aligned with the Lord? Because the alignment of your heart will set you up for spiritual discernment. When Moses delayed up on the mountain, when that time came, he went to receive the word of the Lord, which was the Ten Commandments. And when he went up to receive the Ten Commandments, he stayed up there too long, according to the people. And so the alignment of their heart was with the old idols. The alignment of their heart was with their old ways in Egypt. The alignment with their heart, they weren't going to be patient and wait for the man of God to come with the word of God. And rather than that, they leaned in and they made an idol for themselves. They discerned poorly and created something for them to worship. And I love that they took their possessions, things that represented their heart, Things that they, I can't leave Egypt without this stuff. And they have all these things I, they're holding on to from Egypt. And they're peeling off their earrings and taking their jewelry and they're casting it into fire and melting it down to create this golden statue. Why? Because their hearts had never left Egypt. Their feet walked away, but their hearts were still looking back. In their murmuring, they would say things like, at least in Egypt, we had this kind of food. Yeah, that was the refuse. That was, everybody shout, the waste. You're satisfied with the waste. God's trying to plant a seed of legacy in these people. He's trying to plant a seed of heritage. He's trying to plant a seed of his will to take them all into the promised land. And in this moment, man, God's off, Jesus or Moses is off getting the word and all they want to do is hold on to all the stuff from Egypt and fashion something that really, to be honest, was an expression of their own hearts. Does that make sense? So we can't get the will of God. We can't have spiritual discernment if we are striving to do our own will. But if we line our hearts up to the will of God and to do His will, then we'll begin to have good discernment. That heart that is leaning away from God will lead you into poor discernment every time. 
But Pastor Ross, I mean, I, I don't understand them. What, like, what are, you, what are you saying? Like, if, if my heart, how do I know his will? How do I? You go after God in righteousness. You go after God in rela- relationship, and then you breathe. Is that good? How many's ever been worked up about a decision? Been worked up about the will of God? You know, when every young person, where am I going to go to college? Who am I going to marry? What am I going to do with my life? You know, I get that. We all felt that way. And one of the most amazing things I was ever told, my brother-in-law, Jeff Shaw, he's a pastor at um, 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 the art church up in Ohio. And, um, and that, he just said when I was a young man, he said, don't worry about it. He said, the Bible says the steps of the righteous man are ordered by God. Your responsibility is to lean into the heart of God. And as you lean into his heart and you walk and work on relationship with him, he will guide your steps. And I'm like, ah, that's an excuse. Can't you just give me a better way of hearing God's voice? How many want a better way? Yeah. Like that's just, that's just, but it works. And what it looks like in the Hebrew idiom, it's not the idea God shows you a step and you take a step. God shows you a step and you take a step. That's too easy, right? No, no, what it is, is as you're righteous before him, walking in relationship, it's in the righteousness that you have, he orders your steps. Literally, the relationship you have, as you go to step, he puts it where it's supposed to go. Isn't that awesome? And then you get ready to take another step. Whoa, nope, I'm going right here. And I get ready to take another step. That's where I'm at right here. And I don't have to, I'm not worrying so much about, I just want to line my heart up with his will, God. And that's how we planted this church so many years ago. God gave me a word that we're going to plant five years before we moved here. And then next thing you know, as we started to line our heart up, we started seeing God's next steps. We started feeling God direct our steps and direct our path. And God's just so beautiful that way. You know, he even created you that way, that what you align your heart with, you'll be drawn to. You know that? So important to align our heart with what his will is. How many know what the RAS is, the the, um, uh, reticular activating system? Have you ever heard this before? Yeah, it's really awesome. It's the part of your brain that when you start to think or focus on something, it becomes your focus and what you're thinking on. My water bottle was sitting in the production room for a week. I've looked all over for it. I've been in that room two, three times talking to people. It is sitting in my face, and I didn't find it. Because when I was in there, I was in there for my staff. I was in there to talk to staff, to enjoy my time, to cover some business and things like that. I just wasn't looking. If I was looking for it at that time, I would have found it, Right? How many of you know, as soon as you want a Jeep Cherokee, you see them everywhere? <laughs> this RAS, listen, in September, I'm going to do a series on transforming our mind by the renewing of Christ, by the, transforming ourselves by the renewing of our mind through Christ. And I'm going to be going back into this, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. But this RAS is a powerful thing that God uses, but it's also a powerful thing the enemy uses. Because now you've got your mind on a Jeep Cherokee, okay? I know that's the will of the Lord because I keep seeing them everywhere. God must want me to have that. How much you got in your bank account? What, you, what do you make? Well, yeah, I make, I know it's going to be a thousand a month, you know, to pay that car payment. I know that. All right, I got some questions for you, okay? How much you make? Well, I make four. You, you can't spend a quarter of your income on a car. People do. I got a question for you. Do you tithe? Well, no. Well, then that's not, that's not your car. <laughs> Amen. Just being honest, that's not your car. So, but we see it everywhere, and then we say, well, it's God. No, no, no. Your heart is leaning toward waste. 
your heart is leaning toward chaff, and your RAS is saying, oh, it's God. My pastor used to say this, a mind is never more creative than when it's trying to justify sin. Yeah. And a mind is never more creative than when it's trying to justify a poor decision. But we'll call it discernment. But it works the opposite way, too. When you set your heart upon God, guess what? Your RAS engages, and you start to think about what God wants and his passions and his desires. And you're saying, I really want that Jeep Cherokee, but I don't give a dime to Jesus. So I'm a thief if I do that. Amen? Everybody's like, I don't know if I should say amen or not. I'd say, I'd say, don't be a thief. <laughs> so, and then you can say amen, amen. Now everybody's like, amen. <laughs> ah, okay, so that's the idea of the will of God. Uh, strive to do his will. To, and when you do that, you're going to start to hear his will and see his will and walk in his will. And it'll be almost effortless just because God's leading you. Amen? Amen. The next verse, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. So we can see here, you have truth and you have falsehood. There's a division between those things. And it's saying here that the person who's speaking on their own authority seeks his own glory. So what's the second thing? The second thing to keep in mind while trying to discern a situation, who or what is getting the glory? Let that set. Who or what is getting the glory? Who's going to be honored in the decisions you are making? Who's going to be gratified? Who's going to be satisfied? Who's going to walk in the contentment and the glory of the decision you're making? Is it something that God will receive the glory? Is it something that, 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 that you'll be able to receive the glory, but Jesus is seen through it? Or is it something that man gets all the glory? This is something that you get all the glory. Who will be honored in the decision you're making? Years ago, I had a a challenge, and this was a point of discernment. And our church in Ohio had grown to about 1,000 in attendance on Sunday morning from about, I think when I got there, it was about 250. Now, it wasn't because of me. We had a move of God. It was because our pastor heeded the voice of the Lord. Amen? He discerned the moving of the Spirit. And begin to invite our people to be touched by God. And we had a revival that hit our church. I mean, we blew through like 300, 400, 500. I mean, just over the, the, the years we were there. And now it had grown to about 1,000 people. And I have a man come to me who was the leader over one of the largest ministries of volunteers in our church. And he came to me one day, okay? He's, he's speaking to my pride. And in that place of discernment, who's getting the honor here? He comes to me and he says, Ross, he said, you know what? If you went across town, half this church would follow you. Man, when he said it, guess what happened? Pried it up a little bit. Because I knew some of that was a little bit true, not all true, but I knew there was people that, that's what people do. There's people here that like Brantley better than me. Please, like Brantley better than me. Right. Did you say not too many? No. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But this guy, he had an ulterior motive, you know? And so he's dropping this on me. And, and when he said it, 
all of a sudden, I just, I just got all like, like ghetto, man. I'm going to tear you up. I mean, I wanted to whoop the guy because that's my pastor you're talking about. I just, mm. and so I said to him, I said, hey, how about this? How about I'll take my phone and I'll call pastor and we'll see what he thinks about that. So I pulled my phone out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was one of those, this is years ago. <laughs> Pull that phone out, crank it up. No. And he's like, Ross, that's ridiculous. He goes, that's ridiculous. He said, he goes, you think that man walks on water? And I looked at him. I said, I've never seen him try. He goes, Ross, that guy, he puts his pants on one leg at a time just like you. And I said, no, he doesn't. He wakes up in the morning, throws his cape back over his shoulder, jumps, lands in his britches, and flies off to save the day. That's my pastor. That's my pastor. I'll smack you. No, I didn't say that. I just said, I said, no, I said, I've never seen him put his britches on, you know? (laughs) What? That's a good thing. (laughs) I don't know why that's funny, but it's just true. (laughs) What? Somebody will have to explain to me later. I don't know. It's just, I'm just walking righteous. I'm just over here. And you guys are over there. No. <laughs> Pastor Blair used to always say, to the righteous, all things are holy. To the defiled, all things are defiled. <laughs> he had the best ones. I act like he's dead. He's not. He's alive. He's watching right now. I love you, Pastor. But um, I do. But here's the thing about that. That guy was trying to rob me of my future because that was That was chaff connected to seed. Did God want me to plant a church someday? Yes. Did God want me to go across town and do it? No, but God wanted me to. So there was a seed that was covered by chaff, and he is trying to cause me to be satisfied planting chaff-colored seed. Covered, I can't talk, seed. (laughs) You know? Guess what? It won't grow. It won't grow. (laughs) We're having fun. It's good. It won't grow. But no, in that moment, I realized what God was doing. He wanted me to discern that moment well so that 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 seed of planting a church someday would be holy and right, would go in the ground, and you all are part of that seed today. Do you know that church I left, Mansfield First Assembly of God? People that watch back home, I love you. I thank you. We are a daughter church of your house. All these years later, it's been 17 years since we left there. But do you know, because I honored my pastor in that moment, and I honored that house, and I didn't do anything deceptive, do you know that I think it was $12,000 cash that one church raised in an offering to help send us here? Better than that, the people of God in that church committed to almost $50,000 in pledges for a year of giving to start this church. Amen? Amen? So really, almost $60,000 in giving and pledges that church planted this church. Is that neat? Man, but that wouldn't have happened had I dishonored. You know what would have happened? I would have went across town and started something, and it would have grown, all right? But because that chaff was around the seed, all of a sudden, it would have died because I didn't discern well what God was trying to plant. Does that make sense? And so we've got to discern who or what is, who's getting the glory in this moment. He was challenging me in that to walk in the glory but I knew God had a better way. Let's look at the third thing to keep in mind while discerning a situation. Verse 19, has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? 
Why do you seek to kill me? I love that. Moses gave you the word. You're upset with me. God's giving you the word, but you won't even live the word, he says. Now, I'm saying he said it to those people. I would never say that to you guys ever, right? No, we all need to hear that. God is giving you the word. You don't keep the word. And when I say that, I'm saying it to myself as well. So that third part of discernment, what does the word say about what you are experiencing? God has an answer. I use my Bible here. God has an answer in the Bible, in the scriptures. So what does God say in there about what you're experiencing, about what you're desiring? Or is your heart leaning over here? And so you're making poor discernment and decisions based on the poor discernment? Or are you embracing what the word says? Even though your old flesh, remember, we're going to talk about this next week. Flesh is here. Spirit is here. Even though your old flesh is trying to draw you back to this place. Man, God's word is saying, stay over here. Those who walk after the Spirit won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. What would that mean if you're not? Hmm? Stay over here. Walk over here. So what does the Word say about what you're experiencing? There was a woman in our church in Ohio years ago as a young pastor. And I'm teaching a Sunday school class. And she'd been a believer for a few years. So she knew the Word concerning things. And in the middle of that class... She's, we talked about prayer requests. How many have something you need prayed for? We're going to pray before we leave today. And um, in the middle of that class, she stands up. She said, oh, I do, I do. She says, can you all pray for my sex life? People are like, we can pray for that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> if you're married. Right? So she said, I pray for my sex life. Well, now you got to understand something. I have really become a lot more kind as I've gotten older and more mature, and I know how to have some discretion. And, and now I would have probably been like, yeah, 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 you know what, let, let, let's, let's table that. And um, can we talk, because I knew she wasn't married, you know. So can we talk about this afterwards? But I didn't do that. There's two points of discernment in this I want you to hear. She was having poor discernment because she knows what the Word says, but she wasn't going to live it anyhow. Somehow she was going to relegate the word of God to being an opinion or a suggestion rather than the mandate God intends it to be. Okay? You can't have discernment, at least not good discernment, when you do that. So there is a lack of discernment on her part. She's being um, um, creative, like I said Pastor Blair would say, in the way that she's justifying living outside of God's word. Okay? But there was poor discernment on my part. Because here's what I said. I said, well, man, we can't pray for that because God don't bless no mess. <laughs> and it's funny because you're here. And it is funny. You know what I'm saying? And can I tell you something? I'm going to be honest. As a young preacher, I heard a preacher say it on TV. You know? There's things you're praying for you don't need to be praying for if you're living that way because God don't bless no mess. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sounded good on TV. Come on. Did. And in that moment, I spoke it. And I'm not saying it didn't need to be said, okay? But it didn't need to be said that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. In that moment, I, I crushed her. I didn't come in and love her, speak life and truth, and help her take next steps. And she left the church. I don't know what happened to her after that. Wouldn't return calls, you know, all those kinds of things. Did it need to be said? Yes. That way? No. So her lack of discernment was wrong, but guess what? 
It'd be easy for me to look and say, see, that's how it is. People don't want to live the word today. People don't, I don't know why I always get Southern when I'm, you know. <laughs> I always sound like my, my mama when I start talking like that. But um, people don't want to live the word today. People don't want to do what's right. People don't, no, 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 no. You know what? I failed in that moment. Does that make sense? I'm not going to look where her lack of discernment was. I had lack of discernment in that moment, even though it was true. But I do need to speak it to us too, a strong, and I hope you hear it from a heart of compassion, not a young snot-nosed kid that is talking like one that has never put his armor on. Or no, I said it wrong. Talking like one who has never taken his armor off. I mean, I hadn't even put my armor on yet. You know what I mean? I'm talking like I've taken my armor off a hundred times. I hadn't had that many battles in life yet. I was probably 23 years old, 24, you know? So here's the truth though, because I have had a lot of battles now. And I've seen time after time after time people relegate God's word as a suggestion, not a mandate. And it never works. You will not have discernment. You will walk in the waste. You'll walk in the death. You'll walk in the lack of the promises of God if you do not allow God to separate the chaff from the wheat through your decision making and your choice to live what his word says. Amen? I know that 100%. So why is it so important to not justify and make excuses for our pet sins? Why is it so important when it comes to discernment? But God, I know what your word says, but it's different for me. I know what your word says, but really in my heart. I know what your word says, but why is it so important not to justify or make excuses? Because the last part of verse 19, has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keep the law? Why do you seek to kill me? Do you understand what spiritual formation is? It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's Christ in us, the hope of God being seen. It's Christ in us, the hope of of, of new life. Not just for you, but for people you're in contact with. It's Christ in us. And what spiritual formation is, is Christ is in us. He's changing who we are from the inside out. That's what spiritual formation is. We're becoming more like Jesus every day. We should be. But what happens is when we make excuses for poor discernment, we kill off what Christ is trying to do in our life. Why do you kill me? Why why are you making such bad choices when you know what the word says? You're killing me. Metaphorically. You're destroying the work I'm trying to build in you. And here's what's so powerful, guys. Do you realize why he's building this work in us? Because he has a plan for us. And the plan is separation. There's going to come a day on that day of rapture when Jesus is going to separate us from the wheat and the chaff. And the wheat's going to rise first and the dead in Christ will rise and we'll be caught up to meet them in the air, the Bible said. And what I love about that is in that moment, our corruptibility will put on incorruption. Our mortality will put on immortality. Some of us need to live live a little more heaven ready when it comes to our decisions. And it's not easy to have Christ formed in us. But if we have a desire for that, we won't kill off what Jesus is trying to do in our life. We won't. This morning, I got a call from Mac. I was at the coffee shop. I thought it was Amy. Hey, baby. And she goes, no. He goes, no, it's me. It's Mac. I'm like, well, hey, Mac, what's up? He goes, what are you wearing? I'm like, what? what, what? He goes, what are you wearing? I'm like, 
Why? He goes, I want to dress like you, Daddy. No, he goes, I want to look like you, Daddy, today. Yeah, y'all don't know what I've been going through. That meant so much. Well, I got a black shirt. I got a black shirt. I got black pants. I got black jeans. I got black shoes. I got black tennis shoes, Daddy. What belt? What belt are you wearing? I want to be like Dad. That's how the Word is in our life. The Word is the image of Jesus lived out. The character of Jesus lived before us so we can read and embrace. And I just want to look like you, Jesus. And if that's the case, then I have to discern properly what does the word say about what I'm experiencing. And then I can't edit it. I can't look at it as a suggestion. It's the mandate from the Lord. And I just got to choose to submit to it and let God deal with the chaff in my life that's struggling to see his seed manifest and create a harvest. And so many want to be more like Christ, but they like I said, they regulate his word to the place of being a suggestion, not a mandate. When it comes to lack of discernment and action and light of discernment, it will kill what Christ is desiring to do in our life. So we have to ask ourselves, what does the word say about what I'm experiencing? And then walk out that expression. Amen? So next week, what we're going to do is we're going to jump in to the second part of this, and we're going to be looking at one more thing that kind of helps us to discern and make better choices in our life. And then we're going to look at kind of where the church is at. Is that okay? And just, I think the church at times just needs to be examined. We examine the world so often, we kind of need to look at the church a little bit so that we can rise up and be the bride of Christ that Jesus wants us to be. Amen? So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that today you've given us a choice, life, death, your glory, our glory, will, your promise, and our excuses to keep on doing life the way we want. Lord, every single one of us in this room, we just, we just today declare that we're trading everything that we want for everything that you have. We're trading our stuff for your stuff. We're trading our will to follow the will of you into the promises that you have for us, not just for us to walk in blessing, but Lord, for you to receive all the glory you're due. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.